0: It was just, you know, we're all like, no, no, we all get along. It's great. We still do. Right. But um, at the end of the lunch, they go, hey, so just throwing it out there. We're thinking of starting this summer festival. Uh, We don't know what it's called yet. We don't know where it's going to be held. But you seem pretty cool. Uh, Like, would you maybe want to work with us on it? And I'm like, I've never done an event before. I've never worked on any event PR before. And uh, they said, well, we've never thrown an event before. And I'm like, well, cool. Let's do it together. <laughs> They're like, done. So, and uh, in my, uh, I have a file on my computer. It's called proposals, where I keep all my proposals. And I do it by year. And in 2001, there's still a proposal in my computer that says summer festival. So they were ready to think about PR at that time. And um, shortly thereafter, we were in a uh, email uh, chain about what should we name this thing. And eventually, they tell me where it's being held next thing you know we're announcing it and putting it on sale and shit sold out in 16 days <laughs> right what the hell is that
1: what would you say you do here Stone's Weekly Dose. Because I'm kind of an idiot. I'm a dumb guy. Brian, you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me. I already really
0: like you. Your midweek download destination. I told you about Brian. I told you. Come on, man. Brian was just making a joke. I'm so lucky to have met you, Brian.
1: You're such an amazing guy.
0: It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Not the South.
1: Note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. How in the world are you? It's the Stone On Air podcast. The not-so-weekly dose, sometimes-weekly dose. Eventually, the best-case scenario is every single Wednesday weekly dose. Today is June 20th, 2019. Looking back at Bonnaroo for the rest of the show. It's kind of like the uh, three-week run that I did of Game of Thrones-centric shows. If you're not into Game of Thrones, then you clearly have no interest in listening to people or a singular person. But I did have uh, two phone calls from Nick Letzko and uh, Letitia Wolf to talk about the the show Game of Thrones. So clearly you don't want to hear that conversation if you don't know or care anything about it. The cool thing is, well, I don't know. It might, I don't know. Maybe I'm about to say the cool thing is is that Bonnaroo seems to be maybe a more interesting topic to somebody who, who doesn't really care all that much or doesn't go or isn't interested in it. I'm not sure if that's true or not. I guess I'll find out when I see the uh, metrics and the, uh, the, the uh, downloads and all that after the show is done. Um, that's something I try to stay away from. Uh, I, I, if you're a new listener, my name is Brian Stone. I am based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I work at a radio station called Alt 98.7, alt98.com. We play, uh, you know, nineties rock, the last 20 years or so, uh, the alternative rock based stuff. It's an okay station, you know, it's, it's fun, whatever. It's, it's a nice little side gig, but this podcast is what I do most every week talking about whatever I want. And that's drawing a lot of listeners in. But every now and again, I decide to go a little more uh, topic-specific, and that might turn some people off. Like, I've stayed away from a lot of political talk for a long time, because who the hell wants to listen to any more of that drek, right? I mean, hey, I don't like Trump. Who's with me? Cheer now, right? I mean, that who, who the hell cares about that? That's for boring talk radio that you know 70-year-old, 60-year-old men listen to. So... Uh, I but but I will start talking some some politics as uh, as a, a election year gets here in a year and a half or so. So it just depends on what's going on. So today is all about Bonnaroo. So if you enjoy this festival, if you've been to this festival, if you plan to go to this festival, if you have children that want to go to this festival, if it just intrigues you like the Woodstock. Uh, you know, kind of mystique of yesteryear, of 50 years ago, then this might interest you as well. Uh, Let's see. Let's lay out the show here real quick. It will be a somewhat traditional three-segment show. I'll have the open here where I'm going to just kind of run down my uh, my weekend, and I'll do it pretty fast. I won't bore you with a ton of details because when I was asked uh, when I got back, Um, on Monday or excuse me on Tuesday when I went back to work I made a joke on Twitter that said I might never go to Bonnaroo again if it means I don't have to answer so how was Bonnaroo from a bunch of people who didn't give a damn how Bonnaroo went right if you want to sit down and talk Bonnaroo I'll do it with you for hours and hours. But if you're just being the annoying asshole at work who just wants to so how is you your Thanksgiving? Like, you don't care. Stop bothering me. Sorry, I'll digress from that. But to get to my main point of when somebody who wanted to actually have a real conversation about Bonnaroo, my answer was nothing amazing happened that I need to explain to you. It's just the same amazing and perfection and just uh, unbelievable setting and environment an experience every single year. I mean, there was there was nothing outside of like if I mean, chance the rapper doesn't mean anything to me, but people were just in awe of that. So I guess that was probably a highlight, but I don't know that I wasn't there. I couldn't tell you that. I mean, I saw some of it from a distance. I mean, I heard it from an earshot. But again, I you know, people are into what they're into, and Challenge Gambino means nothing to me. So was that a highlight? I don't know. Probably, but I so. It was just another great, great weekend. So back to that point, I'm not going to go on and on and on about how great everything was. I'm just going to kind of tell you what everything I uh, I kind of jumped into and, and experienced uh, in kind of a rapid fire kind of way. In the second segment of the show, I am excited about this. This was uh, Brad Steiner said it on his podcast, the uh, What Podcast podcast. Um, a very rewarding conversation with a man named Ken Weinstein from Big Hassle Media. He's the founder of that media company back in uh, the late 90s or early 2000s, definitely the early 2000s. He is not one of the organizers of Bonnaroo, but he was the, uh, the press and PR uh, team that they went to to, uh, to 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 uh, uh, publicize their uh, their idea Bonnaroo back in two thousand one. So he's not a co founder. He's but he is an, somewhat of an original organizer of this festival. And uh, Barry Corder from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, Brad Steiner from Hits ninety six. They host a, a podcast called the What Podcast. Search it out, check it out. If you're into Bonnaroo, you will love it. Again, if you're not, then you probably won't. But uh, I engineered for them. You know, had a, we had a chit chat mainly. It was Barry and Brad and Ken, and it was a joy. We did it at our uh, campsite called Camp Nut Butter. More on that in a minute. That'll be the second segment of the show. And the final segment of the show look at some numbers about arrests, citations, and some comments that I found on some message boards, uh, comment sections on certain websites, and a tweet or two here and there. And just the idea that the, uh, the 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 state troopers really just make this a way to cash in on uh, on on people who are are just trying to have fun, and it kind of pisses me off. I'm not going to go too far into it. Just going to make a couple of small points and read some things that other people had to say, and uh, just kind of get an idea how that feels. So there you go. There's your three segment show, and we will get started with the first segment of the show right now. So Wednesday uh, is when I first got there. Weather, oh my God, holy wow. It was fantastic. I think we had a high of 75 on Wednesday. It was absolutely fantastic. So the the gates open roughly around eight o'clock at night on Wednesday as the festival is now officially fully open On Thursday for the last few years and because of Barry from the uh, TFP Times Free Press our local rag here in town his connections get uh, me and um, we had uh, Brad girl from hits 96 and uh, Brad and uh, Barry and I were and a bunch of other uh, TV stations and whatever media outlets do a walkthrough or a drive through on a golf cart to see the new uh, the new amenities, if you will, that they have out there, and it's uh, it's really fun to be out on the farm when there's virtually nobody there. It's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, it's a trip to put it in uh, in in that kind of terminology, and I always like doing that. We've done that the last couple of years, so we did that. And then we uh, checked in in the evening, and then got our campsite set up by about seven eight o'clock at night. Easter, or, excuse me, Central Time. Got that taken care of, boy. We always do a good job. It's always stresses me out. I was telling Barry this. Brad already know They all already know it. Until we get our real estate, until we get our land grab, I'm stressed. I'm or, or until I also get my uh, check in. Because if there's anything off, if there's a birth date off, if there's a if there's a, a, an initial off, if there's something wrong in the paperwork, they will deny you. It has got to be done exact, and I appreciate that about them. And you know that going in, so you make sure everything's good. So I'm still always stressed. So once we finally get our uh, campground, our uh, you know our kind of borders taken care of, I finally cool down or chill out, I should say, have a drink or a handful of them, and uh, grab a little small snack and then just kind of cruise the farm a little bit. Just a fantastic time. So that'll get us into Thursday, where this is now the official first day. Everybody's in early, especially when the weather's this good. Uh, Centeroo, the main area where the uh, all the music and activities take place, is open except for the main stage field, which can hold probably 20,000 people. Maybe 30, I bet it's closer to 20. So when you take an area that's that's designed to hold, let's say, 50,000 people, because, yeah, they sell 80,000 tickets, but there's never at one point 80,000 people watching any show. I mean, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people are passed out in the campgrounds all weekend long. So when you cut off, a, again, make it up with the number, 20,000 uh, capacity area, but you fit almost everybody who's on the farm at that one time, or mostly anyway, into the the the, the smaller Cineru area, it's a bleep show. I mean, Thursday just not for me anymore. Um, I'll walk around, take a look, and have some fun on a Thursday. But you can't get near any of these tents when I say tent stages. Think big circus tents, uh, big big area, but not not big enough for for a Thursday. It has become the, the 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 very cool day to go hang out because everybody's in a good mood. They just got there. So I hang, hung out with my girlfriend all day. We uh, just walked the grounds for a while. Got on the damn Ferris wheel, all right? If anybody says, I'm not trying over here. I got I waited in line and got on the damn Ferris wheel on a Thursday. Never done that before. Never been on the Ferris wheel, period. Uh, I wanted to go see Caroline Rose at 5 o'clock on whatever the tents. I think it was that, this, whichever one. And it was just it was just too hard. It's just too packed. So I moved along and uh, took it back to the campsite that night. We got up, did some recordings on Friday, and saw a bunch of great music on on Friday. Uh, Started the day early around uh, probably two or three with Naco and Medicine for the People. I'm telling you, guys and gals, they're going to be at the uh, Signal here. Uh, several months later, I think it's in the fall. Don't miss it. It is fun stuff. I I believe that this is a perfect way to uh, categorize what that band is. It's Rage Against the Machine message meets Dave Matthews sound. Just think a, um, a fight fight back, take the power back type of message with violins and horns and acoustic guitars. It's, it's really fun. Uh, then went and saw Catfish in the Bottle Man. If you listened to last week's show, you know that uh, that was a big one for me. It paid off. It paid off. It paid off. It was Euro trash at its finest. I loved it. I was in the pit. It was great. 5 o'clock, I think, or 4.30 on Friday. Fantastic. Went saw the Ava brothers after that. You know, they're fine. They're fun. It's pretty much the same show every time these days for me, um, which is cool on the main stage, which the uh, what stage is what that is called, and it is uh, the best sounding stage I've ever been in front of. It doesn't matter if you're in the pit or 500 yards back. It is such a great sound. For all the sound problems they have in center room, part of that has to do with noise pollution because there's so much going on. The what stage is incredible. So I was trying to take in as many what acts as I could, and uh, then I went to Courtney Barnett, and here was here was the deal with Courtney Barnett. I love her, love her, love her so much. I can't. I it's I've ne- haven't found an artist, performer, band that I've enjoyed this much in the last five years, and she overlapped with Childish Gambino by like forty five minutes to an hour. It was a pretty bad overlap. And it was either sacrifice something I know I was gonna love to just go see something that I might think was okay because everybody told me I would, was just something I couldn't buy into. So I got up front as close as I could, well, I'm in a decent spot, you know, right in the middle, positioned well, stayed for the entire Courtney Barnett show and just said, I'm just not going to challenge Cambino. I just I can't, I cannot walk away from something I know that will be great. And then uh fish that night, uh was disappointing. It It's just disappointing. I already thought I wasn't going to enjoy it because I'm, I'm just not that big of a fish guy. But I really like their music. I think it's great. Really, 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 really do. And I know virtually... I, I bet if... Let's just... I always use this example when I'm talking about a band. Let's say they have 100 songs. I'm mean, just making up a number. Say I, they have 100 songs. I know 70 of them. So I know a, a large majority of their songs. I just don't really... I just don't dig their show. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me. So then... Put the wraps on the night that night. For me, that's a busy day. Saturday, woke up, did uh, more uh, recording. Can't remember which one we were doing. Oh, that's right. We went out to Camp Redaroo. We got escorted on golf carts out to the middle of GA to go to this beer exchange with uh, Camp Redaroo. And this was with the What Podcast with Barry and and Brad and Nate Gale came along who was shooting uh, uh, photography. And uh, Nick Turner, who does graphic design for the uh, for lots of things that we do with Bonaroo, we all went out there. It was a literal bring a beer, take a beer, bring six beers, take six beers. It was highly organized and a st- so much fun. And they recorded their podcast with uh, members of uh, the Bonarooian, uh, Bonarooster, a bunch of Twitter handles and uh, online presences, and it was uh, a ton of fun. And they shuttled us back into uh, to our area backstage. And um, after that, I I, I kind of had to take the day off. Brad made fun of me. So when I said I was like, man, I killed it yesterday. I saw four and a half shows. Whew, I think I got to take the day off. And <laughs> Of course, I got killed for that. I wasn't joking. I pretty much had to take the, the day off. So I just chilled for the day. I went and dropped into Bishop Briggs for a few minutes, which was fine. You know, it was okay. I, it was nothing special uh, to me. I know her music okay. And So I knew it wasn't going to be anything to blow me away, but it sounded really nice. And then I uh, took most of the rest of the evening off, and then I was out in the field for Post Malone. I wouldn't know Post Malone if he walked into this garage right now while I'm while I'm uh, recording this podcast and said, hey, stop the show. Post Malone's here. And I'd say, dude, I'm in the middle of a show. Can you get the hell out of here, please? Like I don't know who he is, and uh, I'm sure it was fine. So then, kind of a late night I do my late nights just kind of chilling and drinking at campsites I don't do not do three o'clock shows I just can't do it So Sunday, to wrap up this segment To wrap up the open of, uh, of the show I Went and saw, because my girlfriend sh- turned me on to this And she loved him And I was just like, oh, you know, we'll see what this is all about Dude's name's Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers He was not on my uh, preview show I did the week and a half ago Leading up to the, to the festival Because I still didn't know him that well Oh my god, it was great Oh, my God, it was great. I can't even explain it, so I won't even bore you trying to. Go check out Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers. He's basically a YouTube star, and he was on uh, the, damn near headlining the uh, second stage on a Sunday. It was fantastic. After that, went over to Brandy Carlisle, knew what I was going to get into there. and uh, She had a lot of really strong messages with the LBGDQ uh, uh, fight and it was Pride. Uh, it's Pride Month and Pride Week, and there was a lot of that going on. It was really powerful. Uh, saw two or three songs. That's about it. Didn't stay for long. Not going to act like, oh, it was the most amazing show I ever saw. I don't know. It was a good, it was a fun four or five songs, and she had a lot of real strong stuff to say. A um, couple of walk bys for the day. Um, let's see, Two Feet. I happened to walk by one of the stages while they were at the tents while he was playing I Feel Like I'm Drowning. It's a great song. Uh, Wood Brothers, while me and my girlfriend were waiting in the merch tent to buy uh, uh, hats, overpriced hats and shirts for her kids. And uh, Walk the Moon. Oh, God. So I happened to be in earshot of that crappy band. And then to wind down the festival... Went to see the Lumineers. It was good. It was fine. I enjoyed myself. It was very, very nice. The weather was much warmer, closer to summer on a Sunday, but it was just fine. But the joke I made about that was, that was one hour of one full Lumineer song. Every single thing they play sounds exactly the same. The good news is that one song that all sounds the same is a really good song. I really enjoyed that. And again, on the What stage. So it sounded incredible. And then just to wind down the weekend, I put it on my uh, show sheet here um, fishish, fishish. I had kind of had enough after being kind of let down by them on Friday. And we walked by into the uh, What uh, general area for a little while for, you know, 20 minutes maybe. And just said, you know what? They're the last band playing. The what stage is facing directionally right to where your campsite is, talking about my girlfriends. And I went out there and we just laid around at the campsite and could hear it pretty well, actually. It was it was a pretty good sound. I mean, I mean, obviously not very loud as far back as they were, but it was a nice way to uh to end the uh, the weekend. And I I didn't want to be in that mess. I wanted to be away and chilling and making my own drinks and make having my own snacks. And um, it was fantastic. I enjoyed it. So that is the end of the weekend for me. If you cared, you now know. If you didn't, you fast forward to twenty minutes till we got to what I believe is the uh, one of the better interviews I've ever been involved in, and I've been in a lot of uh, involved in, meaning producing, uh, co-hosting, or uh, or just hosting myself. A lot of pretty decent interviews. Nothing's going to blow your mind. Nothing's going to be, you know, like, oh, my God, wow. But a handful that were pretty pretty fun and pretty eye-opening and and really sometimes jaw-dropping, this might have been the best one I've ever been involved in. I'll get you excerpts from it next. Ken Weinstein from Big Hassle Media will be coming up
0: next on the Stone on Air podcast.
1: Stone on Air will be right back.
0: This is cool. Stoneonair.com it's funny because people are always asking me, like, how is Bonnaroo this year? I'm like, uh, it's kind of always amazing. It's always yeah. great. It's uh, it never, incredible. It's F- never 100%. it's never not perfect. The it, highest of highs, per-
1: lowest of lows is always perfect. Yeah, and
0: by the way, lows, when we talk lows, let's all remind ourselves that even in our lowest year, Bonnaroo is still the biggest North American camping festival. Even in our lowest, smallest year, I'm at Lowe's like I forgot the carpet for the camp. <laughs> That's my low. Yeah, <laughs> like, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot my baby gold bond. Exactly. Man, you it's need a, some. I've got a few a bottles tip, back there. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Do you get to see much? No. That's no. I. Mean. I uh, I'm pretty busy during the day. I'll sometimes bust out and disappear. People are like, "Where's Ken?" And I'm like, "You know, crowd surfing." No, yeah, <laughs> not true. Sure. I will try to Nipple bust pasties. out. It's exactly. Pasties. Pasties. I, I try to bust out during the day on occasion when I can. Sundays are better for me, and today is Sunday, so I'm able to right. hang out with you guys and not be stressed. What the hell is
1: Welcome back to the show. That's uh, Ken Weinstein. That song is Jack Johnson who happened to be just at Bonnaroo, I think it was 14, was it 2014 or was it 2013, was it Paul McCartney Here, it might have been, when Mumford & Sons had to cancel because of a really serious injury with, um, or just medical condition with one of their band members, might have been like an aneurysm or something, and I was at one of the press conferences that w- that's head up by Ken Weinstein. And I always, from all the years I've been going to the to the press area, and that's where I spend a lot of my weekend. Um, I was sitting there, and I used to go to the orient- an orientation where they give just you know just the basic rules and all that. Well, long ago I stopped going to the or- orientation because I know all the rules. But um, I would still even go if I didn't know, just because sometimes there'd be some free food or something. And um, I'm looking up, and I got my uh, I got a little handheld uh, video camera. In my hand. So, okay, oh, this was definitely 2013 because I remember where I got that camera. And um, I'm focused on Ken talking, and he says, Okay, Mumford is canceling. And, um, you know, here's what we're thinking. Da, da, da. And I look to my left and I take the camera because I see people starting to look. And right next to me, one and a half feet away, directly up, if I look up from sitting down at this little presser, is Jack Johnson. Sitting right, standing right next to me, and I got a good shot of it. I use it on a video I made back at the old crappy talk radio station when we did some uh, some fan videos or something. And he had a guitar in his hand. And I put the camera back to Ken, and he starts talking about, "Hey, Jack Johnson is going to take the place of Mumford and Sons because Jack Johnson just happened to be there." <laughs> and they said, "Hey, can you?" Um can, can you get a band together and play the a headlining slot, I think, on that Saturday night? And that song right there coming in is a song. He said, what the hell, it's Bonnaroo. And it was just a real quick ditty about, I was just here to hang out. And then all of a sudden, I had to be on the main stage. It was, uh, yeah, Tom Petty was the headliner on Sunday night. That's exactly what it was in 2013, I think, anyway. All right, so I, uh, I jumped the fence at Bonnaroo 2002. I was sitting around in my house, 22 years old, out in East Brainerd, Shadow Ridge at my mom's house. I think they were out of town. I think we had some people over just sitting in the driveway, and they were leaving. And I said, damn it, I I have friends in Nashville. I have friends in Murfreesboro. I cannot sit here while this, this festival is taking place that I'm hearing all this buzz about. It's not really internet then. There is, but only if you find the one computer in your house where you can use it. Cell phones, barely, that kind of thing. And I just jumped in my car, the same car that's been to virtually every Bonnaroo, every Bonnaroo but two. So of 18 Bonnaroo's, this car has gone to 16 of them. Little red Echo, Toyota Echo. And I drove up there, and as I pulled up, I could hear widespread panic. It was one Arm Steve. I remember the song. I remember it very well. And I I just parked wherever I could find a place to park and I walked up and I saw a chain link fence that was partially torn down. I stepped over, I walked in and I just thought, holy shit, what is this? And I was a little nervous. I was young. I didn't, you know, I didn't know if I was gonna get in trouble. So I just went as far as I could till it felt like I wasn't gonna get messed with which messed with, but I wouldn't have gotten messed with no matter what happened, likely. But I got as close as I could where I thought I wasn't causing a a, a, a scene, and I watched panic for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Walked around, ran into a friend of mine, and um, he was high as a kite. It was Scott Moore, as a matter of fact. And uh, anybody who uh, goes back to Wall days knows who I'm talking about and will get what that means. Anyway, so uh, I watched Panic and then I left. And I went to Nashville and I stayed at a friend's house and I went home on Sunday. So that was Bonnaroo year one. Then I bought tickets the day they wanted to sell for 2003. Was there all weekend? So Neil Young, Panic Again, Almond Brothers, uh, G-Love, and however many others. And I won't go through every year. But then in four, I did the same. And then in five... No, four I got media barely. By five, I got guest in media, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then it, it just built from there. So every year I was going as a media member, but I was still, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. And every time I'd go to these press areas into this, into the the radio compound, I would see this guy, Ken Weinstein. And I knew he was important, and he looked cool, and everybody wanted to talk to him and wanted to be around him and wanted to, you know, pick his brain about something. But I never really actually – I didn't want to bother him. I'm never that guy, even when there's celebrities around, because in this press area you can regularly get pretty high-level celebrities at times. And uh, I just kind of watch, take pictures, and just just take it all in. And it's, it's, I'm just – I geek out on it. It's a lot of fun. And so after the last couple of years we've been doing these run uh, walkthroughs that I was telling you about in the open – And uh, Barry asked Ken if he would come on the podcast, their podcast, Brad and Barry's The What podcast. Search it out and listen to it if you are a Bonnaroo fan. And uh, you can hear the entire conversation with Ken but i have eight uh, clips eight tracks that i've pulled at a total of about 7 or 8 minutes out of a 30 minute conversation that i want to share with you that is fascinating to me because it's it, it's the conversation of how this festival came to be how he and the organizers got together and figured out if this would work how this would work and um and and how they were going to do it and i think it's great again the full conversation uh, at the what podcast whatpodcast.com, but for now, this is just going to be talking about the origins of Bonnaroo. Let's we'll just start at the beginning. Who is Ken Weinstein, and what was he doing in two thousand and one?
0: Yeah, so uh, I own an independent PR company, Big Hassle, Big Hassle Media, and uh, I have uh, I was approached in um, two thousand and one by this company that I had never met before called Superfly. They were based in New Orleans, and um, I was working a band called the North Mississippi All Stars at the time. I pardon my voice. Sunday ba- Sunday Bonner. Sure. I was working with North Mississippi All Stars on "Shake Hands with Shorty," and uh, we were crushing it. We were getting so much press, and they were opening up for Galactic at the time. They were opening up for Galactic. So Galactic, who's based out of New Orleans, obviously they had a manager uh, based in San Francisco who they had just parted ways with. So and they hired these new guys to be their managers. Um, Superfly, they're like, dudes, I don't know who's doing the press for the North Mississippi All-Stars, but find that guy.
1: All right, so I apologize for the overmodulation. I had to figure it out on the fly at the beginning of this conversation. So uh, there's Superfly, there's AC Entertainment, and there's uh, Ken Weinstein and his his PR company, his press company, Big Hassle, all of which at the time are mostly upstarts Uh, i don't know the timelines of all of them so they're just hey you do a good work with north mississippi all-stars i'd like to kind of hook up with uh, us in galactic and so they next gave ken a phone call
0: i get a call uh, from Rick Farman and Jonathan Mayers uh, who were both New York guys and I'm in New York and they came up uh, they're like we, they, call, they, they reached out to me and they're like hey we work with Galactic now and you work with the All-Stars and we'd like to talk to you about doing their press we're going to be in New York next week let's have lunch so this is in 2001 and um, wow. uh, I said yeah great so we met at a restaurant called Communion on Broadway and 22nd Street and we were having a great lunch at the very end of the lunch it was really a fun lunch we, had, we were really cl- clearly clicking it was just, you know, the, we're all like, no, no, we all get along. It's right. great. We still do. Right. But um, at the end of the lunch, they go, hey, so just throwing it out there. We're thinking of starting this summer festival. Uh, we don't know what it's called yet. We don't know where it's going to be held. But you seem pretty cool. Uh, like, would you maybe want to work with us on it?
1: All right, so think about that first of all. 2001, he didn't say when. So we'll just guess somewhere in the middle-ish, maybe in the first third, second third and he's having a conversation with people who do, do not tell him where the, the festival is going to be. They don't tell him what it's going to be called. You know, Maybe they give him a little more information he didn't want to give us. But overall, they said, do you want to be involved?
0: And he was like, uh, well. And I'm like, I've never done an event before. I've never worked on any event wow. PR before. And uh, they said, well, we've never thrown an event before. And I'm like, well, cool. Let's do it together. They're like, done. So, and uh, in my, uh, I have a file on my computer, it's called proposals, where I keep all my proposals, and I do it by year, and in 2001, there's still a proposal in my computer that says Summer Festival.
1: That's just incredible. He still has that folder that he saved from how many computers that he's had in 18 years that just says Summer Festival. So, he's sitting around in 2001, I kind of was getting to this a minute ago, and I got away from it. And within a year-ish, by June, the festival, the first annual Bonnaroo, is a reality.
0: How could that be done so quickly? They had already been working on it. I, okay. you know, PR is usually the last part of the puzzle. Okay, it's kind of like the health permit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right. so, <laughs> so they were ready to think about PR at that time, and um, shortly thereafter, we were. In a uh, email uh, chain about what should we name this thing. And eventually they tell me where it's being held. Next thing you know, we're announcing it and putting it on sale. And shit sold out in 16 days. So in 16 days, without any traditional advertising,
1: maybe a little internet uh, blogosphere stuff, nothing on a radio station, maybe they bought a billboard, but not really. I don't think really any newspaper advertising in 16 days. They sold 50,000 tickets and realized, why stop there?
0: Um, And then they put up another 10,000 tickets and we sold out in a day. So in 17 days at that time, we sold out, I believe, I want to say 60,000 tickets. And then we sold out the next 10,000, so we were 70K that first year. The thing about that time period is, um, and it's hard for a lot of people to relate to this, but... You know, the internet was just kind of coming around, and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And what we have to realize, of course, is that Fish, before there's even a Bonnaroo one, has had six festivals, It's thrown six festivals, uh, with no ecosystem to support it. That was Fish's brainchild, and they're like, "Let's do this." You know, we think we can make this happen. And you know, um, Clifford Ball is born out of nothing, just a brain, just a random thought, and a but. A, a fairly good sense that this could work because people like to gather and people like to commune. Right. Um, and, uh, like minded, you know, let's, let's, let's bring together people who love live music, who love to be around each other and support each other. And, you know, so there's a commu- there was a community after six fish festivals. There was a community that AC Entertainment and Superfly knew that they could tap into. And there was also, by the way, a, a staff that had thrown these fish festivals. There was an idea that that this thing could potentially work. I hope
1: that um, you guys and gals are enjoying this as much as I did at the time and as much as I am doing it a second time. This is an incredible conversation of uh, of, of an institution that I am in love with, that being uh, the, the, the Bonnaroo brand itself and how it got put together i absolutely love it ken weinstein from big big hassle media excuse me now this one is only 37 second a clip it literally gave me chills now he despite how he words this it gave me chills the first time i heard it and it gave me chills when i first was putting this production together and my chance my guesses are it's going to give me chills now again
0: it it was an incredible thing to behold and I will still, I can st- literally, right now I'm closing my eyes. I am on the main stage, Trey Anastasio, day one, and I'm standing with the partners, Ashley Capps and the four guy, S- Superfly guys, Rick Farman, Rich Goodstone, Jonathan Mayers, and Carrie Black, and they are holding up a glass of wine, and we're looking out. Wow. We're looking out on the main stage. Trey's about to go on, and it's like, good Lord, what have we built? <laughs> and it was a big holy shit moment and uh i'm getting i'm getting chills i'm getting chills thinking about it right now because it was seriously like oh my god it
1: was an, an incredible conversation that sunday afternoon at Bonnaroo just 4 days ago with ken weinstein so i got two clips left here of this segment that we'll talk about some arrest and some uh, police activity and then we'll wrap up this year's wrap up show of Bonnaroo 2019 we started having a conversation about how obviously it started as a jam band festival and that it has evolved over it's almost like in sections like the first 5 years were this and the next 5 years were that um, like in a 06 and 07 and 0, uh, yeah 06 07 was a lot of radiohead and and uh and uh, why am I blanking? Uh, Tool and stuff like that, and then later on, some Tom Petty, and then then it started to turn with Paul McCartney, and then now a lot of pop acts, The Weekend and Lords. It just it changes with the fabric of 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 the world around it, and it's a lot of fun. At the end of the day, it's about the music, it's about the fans, it's about the experience,
0: it's about something that you cannot get anywhere else. The most what's really incredible about Bonnaroo uh, is its fans, and we could not be here without them. And they are the most special people. They are full of open-heartedness and love and kindness, and uh, they are the most open, open-minded right. f- musical fan base. The thing is, is that the Bonnaroo fan base, yes, grew up with Fish and the Dead, sure, but they also grew up with Reggae. They also grew up with punk rock. They also grew up with indie rock. They also grew up with, you know, uh, world music. They grew up with hip-hop. They like it all. So, yeah, it was a jam band festival because that was a touchstone that was for connection. But that was only tapping a part of their personality. There was other shit in their heads Mm -hmm. that was a part of it. So Bonnaroo grew out uh, out um, out of their love of great music. It didn't have to be tied to jam band only.
1: It's pretty as simple as that. It's as simple as that, and that's what I thought was so great about the 2019 uh, 2019 lineup, was that it it wasn't so great for my preferences, but it covered so many lifestyles, so many genres, so many interests, and that's what makes it so amazing, is that you bring that many people together to spend four and a half days, for many of them, in a very difficult environment with often oppressive heat this year, luckily not that much, but still very uh, uh, challenging environment. And even when you're at your worst, and even when you're at your most pissiest, you're still uh, you're still enjoying yourself for the most part. If you ask the average person who, you know, if you're a one-and-done, you know, I'm never doing it again, I, I, we're not talking to that person. We're talking to the person that uh, that gets it. Or I'm trying to paint this understanding to somebody who's never done it. The last clip I have here is just uh, his final remarks regarding this portion of the interview. Uh, Bonnaroo is 365. It is always changing.
0: Every year, the founders of, the, of this festival, the organizers, the promoters, they have meaning. They look all year long. They're working on this thing. They are looking for ways to improve it every year. Right. 2003 was better than 02. 04 better than 03. Boom, boom, boom. Every year we are working on ways to make this thing better. That's what you see. I mean, we're 18 years in, and we're still perfecting it. It's the beautiful thing about Bonnaroo is we are never too proud to admit that there, you know, the clay is still wet. If there's ever a year
1: that I'm not at Bonnaroo, um, I'm either dead or I'm in jail. Or something drastically terrible has happened in my life. So if you can get a hold of me in the middle or early part of June and Bonnaroo's going on and I'm not there, you need to worry about me, All right. I'm going to get out here. We'll look at some numbers from some of these arrests and uh, how the state troopers are kind of a bunch of assholes in a lot of ways. I won't be too harsh on them. And we'll wrap this thing up soon. This is a Stone on Air podcast. That was Ken Ken Weinstein from Big Hassle Media. Just a pleasure to be involved with that recording and somewhat interview and 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 have to have it on this show for you guys to listen to. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have now for the third time that I've heard portions of it. My name is Brian Stone out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Find me on all social media at Stone On Air. This is the Stone On Air podcast, and I will be right back.
0: More of Stone On Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At StoneOnAir.com. The Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival is close to selling out its 80,000 tickets, a first in several years. That means traffic is a bigger focus for Chief Mark Yoder. Getting them in and out of the festival is, is our, our main goal. But what else gets in on the farm is another worry. But there are also other concerns, especially with what type of drugs people might get their
1: hands on. Just two weeks ago at a neighboring county, police there say two people
0: overdosed on marijuana laced with fentanyl it is concerning and alarming. Fentanyl is a highly potent drug being abused amid the opioid crisis. It's been laced in heroin, meth, and pills. But a recreational drug like marijuana changes the game.
1: That's pretty much the predominant drug here at Montero is marijuana, so we're taking a little extra precaution when
0: just handling that. Fear of fentanyl in the area is changing how officers handle security at the festival this year. More aware and more steps for the nearly 300 personnel working.
1: My views on drug usage has been similar to the evolution of my views on religious beliefs. I don't really hold back anymore over the last half decade or so, and you shouldn't either. It doesn't matter as long as you're being safe and not harming or bothering other people, is what I say with... Sex, drugs, rock and roll, and religion. As long as you're not bothering anybody else, why would anybody give any kind of damn about what anybody else is doing? Well, that's just not the way the last several generations were raised. The good news is, as many of them are being raised much differently these days. Welcome back into the show. I'll wrap this thing up here pretty soon. I'm going to spend a few minutes on this. Just looking at the uh, the police presence uh, from, uh, you know, coming in and out of the festival and somewhat in the middle of the festival. It was a little a little different I saw this year because I was spending a little more time in GA than I have in the past. But I have, just for the record, in case... You haven't been around over the past years to hear these shows. I'm in GA a lot every year. Now, Brad and Barry and Nick, well, I don't know about Barry, but Nick for sure because he said it out loud. I ain't never been out here. Uh, several of our campers, when we're backstage camping and guests, have never stepped foot in GA. And some of the most fun I've ever had is in general admission camping. And I I mean that. That's authentic. That's real. I'm not just trying to, uh, to, to, to make a greater point. But I have not spent a lot of time out there the last couple of years. And 17, I did. Last year, not much at all. 16, I bet I didn't go out there once. So it's been a little while since I've been out there. And I have not entered into the GA camping area since probably, oh, Jesus this is going to sound bad, since probably 2000. Five? No, 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 six. Probably 2006, maybe 2007. So it's it's been a, it's been a long time. But what I was hearing by a bunch of people coming in through GA that because we we take the, the a route up to the top of Mont Eagle, and I'm not gonna just stop there and just say, and then we come down a different direction. If you can figure that on your own, good for you. But we don't go on the other side of 24 on the other side of Mont Eagle, I should say. So. I don't know what it looks like over there for the last decade at least. And I'm hearing about, especially when it dips dips down into Georgia with the Wildwood exit, that, and now with the uh, cell phone law in your hand, which I fully support and want in every state, but just setting up state troopers all over that area, just trying to revenue enhance, it's it, it really kind of disgusts me. I mean, it really does. I went back and forth with this. Uh, on the old talk station with uh, Jeff when I was uh, producing for him, and Craig Joel, who I'm a, I am consider him a good friend of mine. I hope he considers me a friend of his. And o- other police, law enforcement, Jim Hammond, um, Fred Fletcher. Uh, oh, I can't let uh, the other one go that I'm blanking on. Oh, damn it. Bobby Dodd, Bobby Dodd, Bobby Dodd. Loved him, loved him, loved him. Um, I, I love good police enforcement. I'm a big uh, fan of that kind of thing. I also think there's a lot of crummy, bad, crooked asshole cops everywhere. And Craig and others would often say, we're not trying to take your money. We're not trying to scare you. We're trying to, to change the way you perceive police enforcement, law enforcement. And I get that. I know that's a thing. I know that, I know that they truly meant that. But when you set up and try to just f up somebody's weekend who's maybe driving from states away with minor infractions j- just for a reason to pull them over and to potentially uh, cash grab yeah f you yeah f you i don't i don't i don't buy into that at all and all through the middle tennessee area that's happening and it's it's it, i i hate it i hate it i haven't seen it with my own eyes in a while but i've heard enough about it to believe it so we'll just jump into some of the numbers i have here this is from uh, tennessee m Arrest at Bonnaroo dropped by half in 2019, but citations up more than 95%. That's all you need to know that Middle Tennessee is trying to make as much money as they can off this from a law enforcement uh, stand, uh, aspect is that the arrests are down by half, but citations are up. Because you know what everybody does when they get a citation, if they remember, they pay it. And if they don't pay it, it goes to collections, and it makes even more money. It makes more money for a second uh, a, a private party, and now everybody's making money. It's government teaming up with private parties to make a bunch of money off you who wants to go to Bonnaroo. That's where you know they're liars. Oh, we're trying to make everybody safe. No, you're not. You're trying to make you and that secondary ripoff artist a bunch of money. So that's where it's tough for me to be like, oh, well, I want the cops to ruin our sides. No, the police are against you in this situation. Arrest down, that costs the city money. That costs the police department money if you arrest somebody and put them in jail or take them and have to book them. People have to get paid to do that. Citations, eh, you just mail it in and be done with it. Again, from the Tennessean, law enforcement overseeing the 18th annual Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival said they arrested and cited 374 people during this year's festival, a significant increase from the previous year's numbers. Now, while the arrests were down more than half, citations were up more than 95% during the four-day music festival held last week. Deputies with the Coffee County Sheriff's Department wrote 230 citations during the event. Sheriff's Department uh, spokesperson, whatever the hell his name is, said all of them were possession of a controlled substance. Drugs found included marijuana, molly and acid in a statement. Bonnaroo organizers say that festival security is increasing its entry searches. Quote, we have several enhanced security measures in place this year, including expanded car searches and canine patrols. We are hopeful that our patrons Will appreciate the security measure and have patience with the inevitable con- inconveniences. Thus far, police say they haven't found any fentanyl-laced drugs that was halfway through the festival. Based on that uh, first piece we heard going into it, so you know, I don't know. I
0: mean,
1: I mean we have to be policed. You have to govern. You have to uh, you have to obey by the rules. You have to mind your manners. But it just the the, the message that comes from some of this is just annoying. I mean, if you're a, a police force, a state trooper, any kind of jurisdiction, deputy, whatever, if you're just trying to make some money because there's a quota, just say it. Don't try to tell me you're keeping us all safe. Just tell us you got a job to do, and I'd feel better about it. But all right, here's some comments to wrap up the show here from, uh, again, the Tennessean and Stereo Gum. I'm pretty sure where this comes from, regardless of who cares, whatever. These are other people talking. I get trying to make sure people are safe and all, but it was bordering on harassment. Who wants to shell out $300-plus and drive 14 hours to get harassed for four days? Um, Newsflash, guys. You're marketing these things to people that tend to be recreational drug users. Oh, shocking news. Bonnaroo isn't huge with the sober crowd. I like that. Uh, this was a comment I enjoyed. I don't know the f- I haven't fact-checked it or not. But this is a county, Coffee County, with, where the uh District attorney who refuses to add domestic violence adders to incidents involving same-sex couples, by the way. Another one says, seriously, though, if they've only cited a bit over 100 of the thousands of people at Bonnaroo, the citations are in the neighborhood of 300-some-odd, whatever it was I just read, they must only be citing the idiots flaunting usage or selling in the open. Way more people than that have drugs. At Bonnaroo That is actually a very good point Another one here It's a publicity stunt For the local populace They do half-ass searches To confiscate drugs From recreational users Let them go with a slap on a wrist That's the citation Then report it to local media So the town folk Feel satisfied That the police are keeping A watchful eye On these no-good kids Pouring into the area With their filthy drug habits once again, another good point. I only have one, two, three, four, five of these, and this show will be over. Says Raptor Jesus, now if only they'll arrest all the assholes selling fake drugs on the festival grounds. They are the true criminals. Next one is, no reason to take groceries into the grocery store. And one more on this page says, yes, exactly. I went back in 20, uh, 2004 And inside the fest grounds was the biggest black market for illicit substances I had ever seen in my life, like shooting fish in a barrel. That's not how it is anymore. It's not a drug-dealing marketplace. You might be able to find something if you know somebody, but it's not a drug-dealing marketplace. And it's also not a dangerous place. I'll finish that on the way out. Uh, Two more. Thought you were cool, Bonnaroo. Fucking narcs. (laughs) It's from Smeezy Beezy. And the final one I will read and then wrap up the show. People are always going to do drugs at music festivals, and arresting people is not going to solve the problems associated with it. Setting up a drug testing booth so that they can find out if their drugs are tainted with fentanyl, that whole report we heard on the front end of this segment, back to this uh, comment, or their acid is really some crappy research chemical would do far more to prevent overdoses and bad trips. And uh, there you go. So as I wrap up the show, that was uh, what I want to go back to was the dangerous aspect of it. There was another death uh, this year. There's been, I'd say, five or six or maybe even more. I don't know. It's it's just heartbreakingly awful to think about that that happens at a place like Bonnaroo because it truly is not a dangerous place. There is nothing dangerous about this festival there's danger amongst numb nuts that don't know how to conduct themselves in any setting that is true anywhere you go uh there's uh many times over the years where a mom will be asking me about their their child who's 16 17 18 19 20 and, and wanting to go to Bonnaroo and what do I think because I you know I've, I've been to all of them and you know just what is your opinion and my opinion always is it's not dangerous it's not it's just not and if you were going to go somewhere and get yourself OD'd or get yourself, God forbidden, killed or in any kind of dangerous situation, that's because you created that situation on your own. And you, you or that person would have likely done it anywhere. You would have, That person would have gone to any kind of setting that, that gave any kind of opportunity to create danger. They would have done that there. They would have done that at Talladega. They would have done that at Forecastle. They would have done that at uh, wherever, right, at the beach. But in this setting, it is is a little bit – the one thing that does make it, I guess the one tiny thing that makes it a little dangerous is that it can be so hot in June. But it hasn't been hot in June in three years. And we've had several really great weather years most of this decade. So that's that. I'm I'm not going to give much uh, uh a credence to that argument that it's so hot that 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 creates a danger because most years in the decade of, of of the of the second decade of the 21st century that hasn't been the case. So that's it. That's all I got. Y'all have a good one. Again, if you're a new listener at Stone On Air, on all social media, uh, StoneOnAir.com. Uh, worst website you've ever been to, but hopefully someday it'll be better And uh, all right, goodbye. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Another Bonnaroo in the books, and I absolutely loved it. And I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.